Hello and welcome to SAP Insights. In this podcast series, we'll be uncovering the market forces behind sustainable aviation fuel, also known as SAF. In this episode, I'll be chatting to Dr. Helga Sachs, the Senior Vice President at Echo FT, which is a company owned by Sassel. It's a company that focuses on the synthetic production of SAF using renewable energy and hydrogen as feedstocks for the Fischer-Tropsch process. We'll be discussing how this type of synthetic SAF is produced, where and at what capacity, and the disadvantages and advantages of this type of SAF production pathway. This podcast, SAF Insights, is brought to you by Argus Media, which, as many of you know, is a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. My name is Beatrice O'Kelly, and I'm the European SAF reporter here at Argus. Hi, Helga. Thanks so much for your time today. Uh, Would you like to quickly introduce yourself before we get started on the questions? Yeah, thank you, Bea. It's a great pleasure to be here. My name is Helga, Helga Zaks, and I'm heading uh, Sassel EcoFT, which is a a new company within Sassel that was announced for the market in September last year. And uh, we are producing green fuels and green chemicals, and um, our market interest in our is very much focusing on SAF sustainable aviation fuels. Brilliant. So if we start with the basics then, so how does um, the process that you use, the Fischer-Tropsch process, work in the SAF production, or in the SAF production process, and what feedstocks are mainly used? Yeah, that's a great question. So Fischer-Tropsch, these were two German chemical engineers and scientists uh, that around 100 years ago um, in Germany, they filed a couple of patents around this process uh, named after the two, uh, Fischer-Tropsch and um, the company Sassel has started out more than 70 years ago in um, using this knowledge to produce um, synthetic fuels from coal, so so so-called coal to liquids that they then also developed um, to leverage uh, natural gas as a feedstock, um, which is why we call this process to be agnostic to the different feedstocks so it is more or less universally applicable and it can now, or now also be used um, for renewable fuels and leveraging different other feedstocks. So what are the feedstocks that we use for most um, ideally sustainable ones for the carbon source, biomass, for example, or uh, for example, municipal solid waste can be used. Uh, and then you would have to apply a so-called gasifier to gasify those feedstocks um, and to finally get the carbon monoxide, um, uh, which is then combined with hydrogen um, that ideally comes from an electrolysis with renewable electricity, hydropower or wind and sun. And with the hydrogen, uh, the green hydrogen molecule, it can be combined in a Fischer-Tropsch reactor. And in in this synthesis process, uh, you produce via the syngas, the hydrocracking process is then applied and then you can produce um, different sorts of hydrocarbon chains uh, in different fractions. So either jet fuel, for example, SAF or diesel and after or other chemicals. But instead of um, the biomass or municipal solid waste for the gasification process, we can also um, use other um, CO2 sources, for example, industrial CO2 from point emitters biogenic CO2 from, for example, water, waste and treatment units, or ultimately direct air capture um, to capture and sequester um, the carbon molecule directly from the atmosphere, and then use our um, reverse water gas shift technology that comes from our technology partner, Haldo Topso, 
um, to produce the carbon monoxide. But at the end of the day, the combination of the carbon monoxide and the hydrogen molecule um, to produce syngas um, in a Fischer-Tropsch reactor is um, where the magic happens to say. And um, where Cecil in the last 70 years um, mastered the technology to the extent that we are able with our so-called slurry bed low temperature Fischer-Tropsch technology to really bring this to scale. Yeah, it's really interesting that hydrogen can be used in this way in the SAF space. You know, we always hear about the hydrogen planes that are so far away from actually being usable and well produced. But this is a way that hydrogen can really help the sustainable, you know, sustainable aviation space. And it's not too far away. I mean, you've announced that, you know, production could start from 2026. Um, do you want to go into more detail about the ECHO FT's production plans, capacity growth, and which sort of regions you focus on, you know, which regions you'll be producing from? Yeah, absolutely. And um, to your point about using hydrogen wisely, uh, we also believe that, you um, Using hydrogen, uh, which is still uh, only available in scarce volumes, um, to use it wisely for SAF as a drop-in fuel and um, use it for the existing installed base and assets uh, that we fly with uh, through the air. Um, so connecting people via, um, from continent to continent will work predominantly in the decades to come, particularly on large distances um, across oceans. Uh, with the current technologies of jet turbines, uh, which is why we clearly um, yeah, um, promote um, the uptake of sustainable aviation fuels. Yeah? And how this can be done, and um, also on the timeline, uh, the technologies are readily available already today. So electrolysis uh, can be used, and as well, the water's water gets shift, and we are currently also uh, de-risking an, an electrified version of our reverse water gas shift technology together with Topsoil, gasification as well is um, readily available. However, there still needs to be some work to be done and also to be demonstrated that this can be done at large scale uh, using the, the different feedstocks, biomass and municipal solid waste. However, we are predicting uh, an uptake of sustainable aviation fuels in the time corridor of 2026 onward. Um, we are currently building semi-industrial um, scale um, demonstration units. Um, and at the same time, we are preparing in the different, uh, yeah, the European Union as well as in the United States, some joint ventures uh, with different partners where we are currently preparing industry scale plants and the uptake of stuff will be somewhere around uh, 27 plus. So um, that's why yeah, we are readily um, preparing now the, the market uh, entry for these PTL or biomass power to liquid plants. Yeah, that's great to know. Thank you. I mean, I know in Germany there's a lot of interest in this synthetic type of staff and there's already production there. I mean, it's getting a lot of attention now. Um, I mean, how does this type of sort of power to liquid synthetic SAF actually compare with heifer SAF? I mean, HEFASAF, um, for our listeners who aren't sure, you know, that's the most popular SAF production pathway in Europe at the moment. Um, it's, it's, yeah, the most popular, it's the most, um, it's got the largest production. There's one very large supplier, but what are the sort of advantages, disadvantages, you know, com comparing synthetic power to liquid SAF with that HEFA process? You know, how will the cost compare, you know, once, Set synthetic SAF is starting to be produced, you know, 2026, 2027 onwards. 
um, what will the comparisons be to Heifer? Yeah, now um, Hefe is um, absolutely the technology that's readily available um, from different um, uh, yeah, suppliers. Companies like Neste have been successfully early on also um, started out to secure the different feedstocks and um, they're absolutely um, well positioned to process these different feedstocks. Um, there are multiple feedstocks that can be leveraged to produce Hefe, so from vegetable oils and um, used cooking oils and uh, canola oils and um, animal fats and tallow um, and more than these and soybean oils, um, these can all be collected. And um, that's why the EFA uh, pathway is certainly a very promising one uh, in terms of the, um, the carbon intensity and the reduction potentials. Uh, if you're looking at the life cycle analysis um, of the greenhouse gas, reduction um, potential of heifer, it's somewhere in between 73 to 84 percent, as to our knowledge, um, whereas the PTL route um, has the potential to reduce the carbon intensity to up to almost 100 percent, 99 percent. And that's why this is certainly a very promising um, element uh, in the PTL uh, arena. However, um, if it comes to um, which technology will be scalable in the years to come, the HEFA pathway will um, certainly remain the most promising one in the, the near-term uh, future, um, whereas the PTL pathway will be very promising uh, in decades to come in the 2030s plus. However, if you're looking uh, at the um, maximum amount of staff that can be contributed via the HEFA pathway, uh, we're seeing a certain ceiling, um, possibly up to 20 million tons only um, until 2050. Um, and when you're comparing um, the 20 million tons to the um, maximum demand in the market, and the aviation industry will be consuming around 500 million tons um, of jet fuel by 2050 um, with all the planes that are already ordered and uh, with the yeah, demand in the market, which is why it's a it's a very promising pathway, uh, and uh, that's why we also believe it will be necessary to be technology open to also um, promote any sort of technology and pathway that will contribute to the uptake of SAF, just like methanol to jet, alcohol to jet, and gasification of different uh, feedstocks, as mentioned before, from biomass to municipal solid waste but also the classical power to liquid one, um, all the different pathways will contribute here. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that ceiling because yeah, as, as popular as heifer is, it's the same feedstocks, isn't it? As, well, it creates a renewable diesel called HVO and there's demand from the diesel market as well. So there's there's limited feedstocks there. So it, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, according to our data, we sort of see based on publicly announced projects, around 21 million tonnes of SAF will be available globally by 2028. Around 17 million tonnes of those will be pr produced through heifer or co-processing. At the same time, we see growing attention on synthetic fuels as they can be produced using sort of highly competitive renewable biogenic feedstocks and promote higher emission, emission savings, as you'd say, as you said. In this context, what do you think the market needs to boost synthetic fuels capacity, synthetic fuels production? How do you see, you know, the market developing in various regions? We know in the EU there's a sub-target, the um, 
The EU SAF mandate has a sub-target for synthetic SAF, which will hopefully boost demand and boost supply. But, you know, what about in other regions such as the US? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, maybe also to tie into the um, question before, um, because the one uh, apparently conditions the other, uh, namely, what are the prices of the different pathways? So um, the major advantage of the HEFA pathway is that you can relatively quickly, uh, with low CAPEX requirements, um, you're able to repurpose uh, an existing refinery. Um, amongst others, you can attach different technologies. Um, very successful is um, our technology partner, Harder Topso, with its um, Hydroflex technology here. So that's why it's relatively um, easily done uh, to say uh, that's why the cost of the product is also comparably low. Whereas PTL um, will for some time um, still be more expensive uh, simply due to the fact of the um, cost of the renewable electricity that's needed um, for the electrolysis part to produce green hydrogen there. But however, it, it now coming to the second part of your question, how to promote the uptake um, of the different pathways with this heifer pathway for the decade to come to be still the dominating pathway. Um, it will only work to have via encouraging certain sub-blending mandates as done in the European Union already, um, where you have, for example, until 2030, uh, an uptake of 6% SAF and a certain sub-quota uh, that's um, specifically dedicated to the uptake of PTL SAF. And that's why this is certainly one lever um, to encourage uh, also the production of um, wind and solar uh, renewables in the European Union. Um, but in other geographies, like in the United States or uh, in Canada, for example, where you have uh, large endowments of hydropower um, that can also be leveraged to produce PTL, um, that will also certainly be a, a quite interesting um, geography where PTL uh, will in the mid to long term be one of the succeeding technologies. So that's why um, the regulatory framework uh, with the different incentive schemes where the European Union uh, has rather decided um, to encourage a, a stick approach uh, whilst the um, United States um, with their grand SAF challenge and uh, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, have um, opted for a, a current approach um, with tax incentives. So both um, incentive schemes seem to work from our calculations, uh, which is why we are also uh, strategically looking into the different uh, geographies here. Um, but it's very promising to see also throughout the midterm elections in the United States um, that irrespective of the political orientation in the United States, as we all know, climate change doesn't have any passport or political orientation. It will be necessary to have reliable and certain um, incentive schemes and regulatory frameworks in place. Otherwise, um, it will be very difficult for industrial players to really uh, play strategic bets in the different geographies. So to have bankable business cases for all those opportunities will be absolutely necessary. And that's why regulatory frameworks that are reliable are of essence. Absolutely. And that's a great note to end on, I think. Well, thanks so much for your time, Helga. It's really informative discussion there. And it's certainly an exciting time for the synthetic SAF market. Um, and hopefully demand will just keep growing and as will supply. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in for other episodes in our series, SAF Insights. And for more information on Argus's global coverage of the sustainable aviation fuel market, please visit argusmedia.com forward slash SAF. Thanks, Jabi. Thanks for having me.